Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss Nursery Nightmare, how a baby cam company got its toy box raided. Next up, Gamma Redux, new activity from the Gamma Redon group. And as always, deception, subterfuge, and treachery. That's right, we'll play Two Truths and a Lie. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 77, recorded on March 1st, 2021. I'm your co-host, Tim Spring Fever Helming. With me, co-host Chad, I can't go for that, Anderson. And for the second week in a row, Taylor, it's just March all the way down, Wilkes Pierce. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Howdy, Hello. Tim. Howdy, Chad. Hey, howdy. So yeah, here we are already in March. That's madness. I just can't believe it. Truthfully. <laughs> and, for, you know, some listeners may know that, that, well, Taylor and I are in Seattle and it's an amazing sunny day here, which uh, I don't know what that means because it's it's sort of perplexing. It's like almost 60 degrees and sunny. So we'll take it. But um, and, you know, Chad's in Hawaii, so I bet it's sunny there, too. Yeah. Rain this morning, though. So, you know, it's not all perfect. But well. it's a dry rain. It's yeah, it, oh, it is perfect. Else. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, with with any luck, it'll be rainy and cold by the time you get back to Seattle. Jeff. Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, well, hey, for our first news item this week, Taylor decided to dig into a concerning story about compromises of some nursery cams. Uh, in fact, we're not using that word generically here. The name of the company that was compromised is literally Nursery Cam. The Register in the UK had a story on this on February 22nd, which you can find in the show notes. Taylor, set the stage for us. Is it as simple as it sounds, this company makes cameras and the hosting platform for them uh, for spying on babies, basically. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in some ways, yes, it is as simple as it sounds. But as I dug into this, uh, things got a little more complicated. So uh, the company in question here, they're called uh, Nursery Cam, uh, and they're kind of an end-to-end -end surveillance as a service provider, <laughs> offering uh, closed-circuit TV and parental webcam solutions for daycares in the UK, uh, along with web design services and access control solutions for fingerprint readers and, and, and those types of things. Uh, they've been at this for for a long time. Uh, for example, the primary domain, we saw a registration in 1999. Uh, it looks like they started some of this in 2002. Uh, interestingly enough, they're owned uh, by a company called Footfall Cam Limited, which offers automated people counting cameras uh, to retail stores. Uh, and Footfall made some headlines earlier this year when it was discovered uh, that they were shipping uh, basically a rebadged Raspberry Pi uh, with hard-coded admin credentials and a, and a uh, broadcasted SSID D running uh, SSH. <laughs> uh, so, and also, they, it looks like they copied their developer uh, directories over to the Raspberry Pis that they sent out to their customers. So, I think there was like a Bruno Mars MP3 on each one that got sent out. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, so, you know, the Apple doesn't fall too far from the nursery camp tree uh, for football, it seems like. Uh, when a researcher went public with the football findings, uh, they filed a police report against them uh, that they then had to withdraw. So that's great. <laughs> so, so let me just say first off that like I, I – 
don't think I would want to be the one that's insuring these companies. <laughs> like, I mean, do you have to like go to Lloyd's of London and get one of their special policies when you're doing this kind of stuff? Because, wow, I mean, that's a lot of liability. That's that's not necessarily part of uh, what we have to cover here today. But holy smokes, that just occurs to me anyhow. Yeah. You know, I think folks in the UK might be a little more used to CCTV <laughs> being around all over the place. Yeah, uh, I than us here in the States. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, who was it that told the register about this breach? Yeah. So this is interesting because, um, you know, th there's kind of a couple of threads here. So uh, the first one that, that, that kind of caught my eye was the data breach of around 12,000 uh, contact details uh, for usernames, passwords and email addresses for user accounts off of nursery cam. Uh, and in that case, the register was tipped off by the hacker directly. I believe they also uh, dumped the data online as well. Got it. OK, so, you know. At this point, first, the first thing everybody's probably wondering is, were any babies open to spying in this incident or grownups or whoever else that people might be pointing these kinds of cameras at? <laughs> yeah, you know, so for the data breach itself, it's tricky to say uh, to tell how related it is. But, you know, there was a disclosure just a few weeks back uh, where Andrew Tierney, who you might see on uh, Twitter as CyberGivens, uh, discovered how easy it was to access the DVR systems and published a, a write-up and outlined some of the risks uh, that were at play. So potentially any uh, parent for any nursery could log into the DVR and view any and all of the cameras. Uh, because the password for the DVRs is common across multiple nurseries uh, and it's openly documented on the nursery care website. Uh, anyone who has the IPv4 addresses for the nursery could also potentially gain access to the DVRs. Uh, and so, you know, it, certainly it, it's possible that that, that uh, type of access was leveraged for sure. But, you know, as our, you know, often is the case with these things, you know, there's no definitive proof uh, one way or another. That's right. Okay. Well, so how did this breach occur? I mean, do we know what kind of techniques were involved in it? Yeah, good question. So for the data breach itself, you know, specifics there are not available. And the nursery cam folks released a statement saying that, hey, you know, we don't think that data breach is related to uh, what the researcher published the week before or so. Uh, but for the research that uh, that CyberGib has discovered that the, the DVRs that are used by nursery cam sit behind a firewall uh, for at each of the nurseries and the nursery cam mobile app and the website that gets used by the parents to, to view the cameras uh, gets access to, uh, to, the, to that via port forwarding. So in this process, the username and the password for the DVR are passed along uh, and a direct connection is established kind of behind that firewall. Uh, and then all parents connecting to a nursery are given the same username and password for the DVR. And then once that username and password is given, they're able to connect directly to that DVR itself and view those cameras uh, actually without going through the app if they're, if they're clever. So, uh, you know, some of the stuff seems to date back to 2015, 2016. Uh, it looks like that there were some parents that complained uh, about a way to basically do the same thing via ActiveX, uh, and to which the nursery cam folks patched it a little bit, but clearly not enough. Um, you know, the connection to the DVR itself is done over uh, HTTP, not HTTPS. So the usernames, passwords are going to be passed along in plain text. Um, so, you know, theoretically, if you scanned and, and knew the IPv4s for the nurseries and, and kind of sat there and watched everything, it's possible you might be able to compile the data that got breached last week. So let me rephrase the question that led to this. How did this breach yeah. not occur? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, that's... Um, that's 
quite a lot of ways for this to have uh, like yeah, several different potential vectors all really makes it tricky all rolled together so how do you pick which one they're all they're all there uh, so, okay, well, it, are the nursery cam people handling this disclosure responsibly, or I could say responsively, uh, which is to say quickly? Yeah, you know, uh, in this case, they're not sending the police after the security researcher. So I suppose you could say that's a step up uh, from the response that they had with football cam. Uh, they did shut down the services last week uh, when, when, the, when everyone was made aware of the breach. Their website doesn't appear to be online at the current time. Uh, so that seems to be their, uh, their response to it so far. Yeah, like it seems like they should go into a, just a whole different business, like, I don't know, fried chicken or something. <laughs> you certainly couldn't hurt. Uh, sorry, Nursery Cam, if you're listening, but, you know, but like this is these there are so many cams connected on the Internet these days. And people are really, really sensitive about privacy, especially for their kids. So I just don't know how you, you know, put up a service like this. But uh, anyhow, well, thank you for telling us about it. Anything else uh, you want to add on this one? You know, I, I thought this was going to be a fairly straightforward uh, breach and uh, kind of talking about how, how, how it all came together, but but kind of piecing the puzzle, uh, going back to the football stuff, going back to 2015, 2016 with this nursery cam uh, implies kind of a, a you know, a, a real lack of um, really caring about security, uh, security issues as it pertains to, uh, you know, these internet connected cameras that are sitting inside all these nurseries. And here, you know, we we worry about individual people with their nest cams and stuff. Uh, that's just like showing your front porch. Oh, well. OK, thank you, Taylor, for uh, telling us about that. So let's do some hoodie ratings. Chad, where are you going to put this one in hoodies? And are they baby hoodies or adult hoodies, I guess? Is the question. <laughs> you know, I am going to say this is one uh, tiny adult or one tiny baby hoodie, rather. So maybe it's just, you know, one one hoodie there. I think, um, you know, uh, horrible security practices. Um, this is, uh, obviously, you know, kind of egregious, um, a complete lack of care, but it falls under the line of all of that internet of things. What's the, uh, uh, the joke is the S in IOT stands for security. Um, but there is no S. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, it's just a, you know, it sounds to me like it was just some cheap, um, yeah, garbage. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, these cams are everywhere um, on, you know, online. If you go and look at Shodan, um, what there's probably thousands of cams you can just connect to right on there. It's crazy. Um, yeah. It's really putting the show in Shodan. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that yeah, all right. I'm I'm just glad that uh, you know this wasn't leveraged to do anything bad. That it was a security researcher looking at this, right? Absolutely. Could have been worse. It definitely could have been. So, Taylor, how about you? Hoodies? Yeah, you know, I should note that while the security researcher published uh, kind of the some of the issues with the nursery cam, the the, the hacker did you know dump twelve thousand usernames, passwords, and email addresses, uh, you know, either related or unrelated to that tough to tell. Um, so, you know, a, a little bit broader than than just access to the cameras for a specific point in time. Um, you know, from a hoodie perspective, I'm I'm with Chad. It's not earth shattering. Uh, you know, we'll go, uh, I'm going to go one and a half hoodies on this one. 
1500 millihoodies for you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That seems, that seems to make sense. I mean, it's just when the security is that lax, it doesn't carry a lot of implications for most of us, unless we're using that particular service, you know, and I guess that's part of it, right? If this was uh, some service that a huge proportion of the web using population was, was on, then that would be a bit different, but uh, the, the reach is, is a bit limited. Okay. So nursery cam is off the air for now. And when they come back on the air, people check the security profile before you, <laughs> before you reconnect to that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Taylor. So for our second item this week, Chad was looking at some renewed activity by the, who knows if we're pronouncing this right, Gamma Redon group. You'll see how it's written in the uh, show notes. There was a great blog on this that Talos did, and uh, uh, that is also linked in the show notes. So Chad, before we get to what's new here, can you just give us some background on Gamma Redon? Yeah, no problem. Um, Well, and first off, yeah, reading all of these things, um, you know, in blogs and whatnot constantly and not hearing them spoken. Um, you just kind of make up your own pronunciation. I think because of the uh, pro-Russian activities of this group, I always say it as uh, Gamma Red Dawn um, in my head. Uh, you know, Wolverines um, for everyone who loves that Red Dawn movie and not the remake, the original. The original. Um, Nothing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it, it, there's no Swayze. It's not worth your time. But uh, <laughs> so again, we're right on. Uh, they're an interesting group. They've been around since about 2013. And like I was saying, they've kind of always followed that same pro-Russianist activities. Um, a lot of interest in Ukraine. Um, but uh, they're really noisy, uh, which makes them easy to kind of look into and follow. There's there's lots of activity, uh, absolutely not subtle like APT groups, um, you know, and they're even though they are classified as an APT group um, by most organizations. Um, but they're just, yeah, real heavy handed. Um, and there's thousand plus domains in this recent um, bloom of work, and they really don't care about getting caught. So they're fun to track. Apparently not. I mean, they're and they're probably buying them all with other people's money anyway. So. Yeah. Why not? Right. Uh, it gives you some good uh, iris fodder there if you're uh, for folks playing along at home. A lot of things to take a look at. But what can you tell us, Chad, about their victimology? Do they have some specific targets that they seem to be after? Yeah. So unlike most APT groups, they don't have a specific victim set or like really um, you know tight objectives. They target everyone and institutions on every continent. Um, there's, you know, they're like honey badgers. They don't care is uh, what I think I read in one tweet. But uh, uh, literally everything under the sun they'll go after. So I, I think that's what happens when you can operate like a cybercrime organization without impunity, you know. And that's why some people kind of straddle them between the APT and the cybercrime groups. But uh, in the most recent batch of malware that's been uh, being shoved around from the Cisco report here, um, there's about 4,000 addresses, I believe, of um, targets that they will not attack. And they seem to belong mostly to organizations in uh, cis countries or, you know, allied with Russian interests. So um, they certainly have a definition of who they don't go after, um, not who they do. Yeah. So, okay. Well, in your opinion, then, um, you know, if you're calling the shots here, do you do you describe them as an APT or as a crimeware gang or what? Yeah, they, you know, they certainly operate like a cybercrime gang, um, but I, I think I would probably loop them into the APT category just because there are a lot of pro-Russian activities. Um, and I kind of fall into the camp where I believe they're uh, likely an initial information gathering and access group um, that then passes on anything interest to a higher level group. And this is just, you know, a... Um, 
kind of a low level uh probably entry cyber position somewhere you know in in like russia or whatnot uh that they're um yeah just kind of being noisy and loud not caring about getting caught and then if they come across you know an interesting network passes along um somewhere higher would be my guess um but you know always end up being proven wrong so that noisy noisiness of them and whatnot that makes it sound like they're a little less sophisticated but how would you evaluate their technical chops i mean these aren't just skiddies here right but uh, i mean are their opsec and methodology actually good um yeah so they do have some somewhat decent chops, I would think. Uh, little things point to that for me, like the uh, malicious document templates. Um, some are, you know, some of their VBS scripting is like large enough to evade basic detection engines. You know, um, it looks like there's some custom action going on there, which would mean there has to be someone do it, writing a little bit of tooling. Um, I also think they must be pretty skilled in infrastructure management since they're spinning up huge amounts of domains um, and, you know, infrastructure often behind them. Like, for instance, the Talos report, I believe, had 600 domains um, in it, including dynamic DNS. Um, and then uh, I was able to pivot off that and find, you know, maybe a thousand or more, you know, that were just uh, that were out there and like clearly involved. So um, and then usually a few dozen of those will point to a single cloud hosting um, provider or VPS that's their first stage C2. So there's got to be decent at, um, you know, some sort of management there. You know, someone's probably writing some uh, Ansible or something, but uh, they really don't seem to have the need for super good OPSEC if they're based in Russia, right? As long as they don't target, um, you know, the people that or the organizations rather that are, um, you know, pro-Russian interests, um, Russia doesn't really prosecute. So, um, but yeah, they have to have some okay chops for that initial intrusion. Um, it may just be though that someone further up the chain, if my theory that they're an initial access group is, uh, holds true, that there's someone further up the chain who writes all the tooling for them. And this is just kind of a, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a click and access group. Yeah, that's actually a reasonable speculation. Okay, so uh, what are some of their TTPs and what's particularly new in the activity that Talos blogged about? Yeah, nothing it was super new other than like a, I don't know, like a couple of things with, uh, you know, the VBS scripting that are different or um, new domains, that sort of thing. They do make use of a lot of dynamic DNS providers. So uh, you'll see a lot of Hop2 and DynDNS domains, um, you know, and then they use these common naming patterns, which I would assume are for uh, targeted campaigns. Like one of the ones that I pivoted off of was just Tesla Dash, and then it had a series of um, alphanumerics after it. Um, so they also make heavy use of VPS providers. Um, it looks like this latest batch, there's a lot of DigitalOcean. Um, you know, that has changed before, I believe, in years past. Um, I've seen them on, uh, you know, other providers in Germany and whatnot. So uh, one thing that I did find interesting about this batch is their um, Nginx web server config doesn't have a redirect to um, TLS, which is where, like, you know, it serves up the first stage C2 um, is over HTTPS. So I just thought that was kind of funny because it's like a um, just showing something in the way that it's been configured. Like there's no redirect. And then the uh, the root uh, there is like a 404 page. And oftentimes you'll see if people are like running scripts that you'll, uh, you know, have some sort of open directory or something. But um, yeah, it was just like kind of a 
kind of a funny thing for doing all this uh, server config and infrastructure stand up all the time and then not bothering to do like that little redirect or something that yeah, just seems funny. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe just given their volume, they it's sort of a numbers game for them. If, you know, if that has any consequences as far as the effectiveness, who cares? Because they've got, you know, how many thousands of other ones going? Yeah, the and they time. likely, you know, probably want to make sure that things don't get served over anything other than HTTPS. Um, you know, and most of the times the victims are going to be clicking through an email, right? Or that first stage is through the um, malicious document. So um, they're going to be providing that URL so there wouldn't be an accident. Um, uh, yeah, I, little things though. Like, yeah, I think the Nginx default config, or maybe this is just the one on Ubuntu, um, you know, comes with a redirect. Uh, so it's like, oh, it's weird to like choose to remove that, but yeah. Well, you know, it's the, you got to have your little uh, uh, hallmarks of who you are. That's <laughs> yeah. just their special, it's like their special little, yeah. little tattoo says, <laughs> yeah. We remove that. Uh, we comment yeah. out or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Okay. Well, so thank you, uh, uh, Chad. Anything else on this one before? Oh, no, that's all. Yeah, um, that's it. All right, Taylor, what are you scoring this one? Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, to scope, right? The hundreds, if not thousands of, of domains uh, and, and host names when you count those dynamic DNS providers, which... Man, I, you know, you see this a lot, and I always wonder the effectiveness of those uh, if that's gone up over the last year since we're all kind of work from home, right? Uh, if you're not on the VPN, you're not uh, like I, I'd imagine uh, a, a lot of corporate networks would just disallow that. Um, but you know, if you're just uh, on your home ISP, you wouldn't you might not know the difference there. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, interesting in the scope. I'd say four hoodies and two sleeves. Okay. 4.2 sleeves. Okay. We got it. Um, yeah, that seems, it seems like a moderate level thing. Chad, what do you say? Yeah. You know, it's like, they're kind of part of the constant, uh, you know, den of the internet, you know, it was like kind of like Emotet was for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I guess will be again. Um, you know, it's not like Emotet's going to be, uh, <laughs> just deciding to retire. So, um, and I think we're already starting to see some of those emails again. Anyways, though, back to uh, this and, and rating it purely on just sleeves. Um, I would probably do two sleeves, um, you know, like two uh, Ed Hardy like sleeves, just kind of annoying and constantly there. Uh, <laughs> <Two sleeves laughs> yeah, and nothing yeah. else. <laughs> just right. a background noise of sleeves. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. yeah, it's like the background radiation of the universe. There's just a background of, amount of crime that's constantly yeah, going on. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, thanks. And uh, so those were interesting stories for this week. And that takes us to our segment, Two Truths and a Lie. So uh, as you know, if you listen to Breaking Badness regularly each week, one of us uh, will come prepared with three article titles, two of which are real and one of which, as you probably guessed, is a lie. So uh, whoever is the designated God of Trickery, uh, or Dolos, which this week is going to be Chad, is going to try to trick the other two participants, in this case, Taylor and myself. So, Chad, what have you got for us? Let's let the games begin. I'm pretty excited about this. I uh, I really took some time on these ones. Um, and you'll, you'll see why, of course. But, okay, article uh, number one. Um. Crypto crackers, coin crushing, cryptocurrency crack, creating curious criticism. Uh, okay. Article number two. 
Ocean Lotus operates on organizers outing offensive overreach of others. More alliteration. Excellent. Keep yeah. coming. Mm-hmm. Don't let yeah. us down with the third one. And number three is Turkey Dog targets Turkish talkers through Trojanized tippy tappers. I stretched on that one a little bit because, uh, you know, it's it's Trojanized apps, but, you know, tippy tap, like it kind of works, right? Yeah, you tap on your phone. It's um, well, I Yeah. Think, I think okay. the judges will allow it. Okay, deal. And now you want me to read them really fast? No, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think you should do them one more time because I, I'll be honest, and I don't know if Taylor, this was your experience too, but I was just listening for that alliteration and not really trying to too hard to parse what the heck you actually meant. Same. So yeah, how about one more time? It's an extra layer of trickery uh, that I settled on today. So um, let's, uh, here we go. Crypto crackers coin crushing cryptocurrency crack, creating curious criticism. Uh, Ocean Lotus operates on organizers outing offensive overreach of others. And the final one is Turkey Dog targets Turkish talkers through Trojanized tippy tappers. <laughs> I mean, those those all seem fairly plausible. I think, you know, I think... I think I saw a story that might have been the crypto one that you mentioned. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't that one. But uh, so I think it's for me, it's down to the the turkey dog and uh, whatever the second one was. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, Ocean Lotus operates on organizers outing offensive overreach of others. Yeah. You know, I'm honestly, I'm just about uh, flipping a coin here. And uh, who knows, I might have been, I might not uh, even be right in flipping the coin because maybe the first one is the lie. But I guess I'll go with the turkey dog is the lie. Hmm. I think I must be hungry. <laughs> I want a turkey dog. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I was just thinking how disappointing a turkey dog same. would be uh, compared to like a real nice, like a big Costco dog. I'm a big fan of the Costco dogs. Buck fifty, you can't beat. Buck fifty, yeah. Yep. No. Buck fifty and a chicken bake. You know, you really got to just kill your stomach every time you go shopping. <laughs> I constantly used to just harangue my kids about joking that we were we were all going to get chicken bakes at Costco because we never <laughs> had any interest in the chicken bake. And I just, I don't know. It's probably one of the many things that'll cause their their years of therapy as the adults. But man, yeah, I ate a chicken bake once. It was okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the Costco churros, which are making a return. Uh, just so everyone knows, they're the they're the probably the second best churros on the planet, um, behind those that you find at Disneyland. Wow. Uh, so yeah, a great crispiness. Bold claim. We provide a lot of different services here on Breaking Badness, including churro evaluation. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Wide range of services. Okay, uh, Taylor, what are you going for? Uh, you know, aside from wondering what the churro rating system would consist of. Um, I think I, you know, I was going to go with the turkey, the turkey dog one, Tim, but I think I'll take the first one just so that, uh, you know, I have a chance to, to gain points here. All right. Crypto. Let us know, Chad. All right. Taylor, you are correct. Yes. There was no crushing cryptocurrency crack um, that came out this week. Um, there was, however, um, yes, there's a Turkey Dog is um, an APT group that's targeting Turkish speakers uh, with Trojanized apps. And then Ocean Lotus a, has been going after human rights organizers. Um, so there are people out there going after the offensive overreach of others. Um, 
But thank you for thank you for playing my uh, ridiculous alliteration game. <laughs> All right, so a point goes to Chad for fooling me, and a point goes to Taylor for correctly sussing out the lie. So well done, gentlemen. <laughs> So I think that pretty much wraps up our stories for this week. And uh, who knows? We'll see if uh, we'll see if it's an eventful week coming up. But welcome to March. The days are getting longer, except if you're one of our Southern Hemisphere listeners, I suppose. Sorry, your days are getting shorter. <laughs> I just realized I was laughing on mute. That was great. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Big pregnant pause. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Bye. Have a good one, guys. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.